From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Husker Show. Hello and welcome everyone uh, to the 1011 Now streaming studio for another edition of the End Report Husker Show. I'm Bill Rentschler, joined alongside, as always, by Sports Director Kevin Suits. Kevin, I bet it's probably been a long time since you can say you've gone two Saturdays in a row during football season without having to cover Nebraska football. Between the Friday game last week and now a bye week this week. COVID. Ooh. 2020. You know, the Big Ten delayed their season, didn't start playing until... November? Uh, October. Mid-October? Yeah. We well, will. the SEC played and some of the other conferences. There was football on uh, fall Saturdays in September, uh, but not here in Lincoln and not across the Big Ten. So, I uh, hate to throw water on that thought right off the bat, Bill. <laughs> it was... It was I, I, you know, thinking for what am I going to open with? And I, I came up with that. So, but that's okay. How but was outside of 2020? Um, probably been a while. It's Nebraska having open Saturdays on back to back weeks. That's uh, unusual. I'm sure the pumpkin patches across the area absolutely <laughs> love this. Probably a lot of weddings yes. Uh, yes. across Nebraska. Bye week is obviously a popular time for any Husker fans if they want to get hitched uh, in the fall. This mm-hmm. is it. So, mm-hmm. photographers, wedding planners are busy. Uh, very busy. This is the week. And it looks like uh, outside of the severe weather that's going to be coming in potentially uh, midweek, mm-hmm. late this week, the weekend looks kind of nice. I mean, it'll be October. You know, it's going to be in the 50s, but it shouldn't be too terrible. I mean, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Might be a little bit different, but Saturday, Sunday might be okay. It's going to be great. It's yeah. going to be great to have a, a fall Saturday open. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some football across the area. I know Nebraska Wesleyan is at home on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I generally like to look at the uh, schedule and find out some of the other colleges around the area. That would yeah. be good. To, you know, I went down to Kansas State uh, one year during Nebraska's well, bye week go. and took my son. I had a good time. And, you know, you always look at the Northwest Missouri State and uh, Nebraska Kearney and Shadron and Wayne State and Iowa State. Mm-hmm. You know, there are options to watch college football this upcoming Saturday. Um, just no Huskers. How was your Saturday slate this past weekend? Well, the football was really good. Yeah. And having some time in front of a television to watch the football was really good uh, as well. Uh, and, and, you know, the mood across Husker Nation was pretty good following Nebraska's uh, win over Illinois late Friday, 20-7, to 7, the final score. Mm-hmm. It's not all great, though. There is some injury news that came out here Tuesday morning from Nebraska head coach Matt Rule. He has ruled out Marcus Washington out for the remainder of the season. He tore his ACL in the first half. Two plays after making a spectacular catch uh, that gave Nebraska a first down. One of his better plays of the season. Uh, He got injured while blocking an Illinois defender. And they've gone through all the medical procedures to try to diagnose it. And it is a torn ACL that will likely end his college football career. Mm -hmm. A five-year wide receiver who started at Texas, played at Nebraska the last two years. Yeah, that was the first thing on my, my, my stuff I had written down. Again, and Rule even said it today, he doesn't think he's ever been a part of a team that's had as many injuries offensively and, and even defections is the word he used. Because you had, uh, again, Isaiah Gar- Garcia Castaneda, ACL, out for the year. Now Washington, Marcus Washington, ACL, out for the year. Ramir Johnson, uh, Gabe Irvin Jr., out for the year. You started the year with thinking maybe Xavier Betts left the team. Uh, Eric Gilbert, again, had high hopes for him and that, that whole situation. There's a lot of players that 
could probably make a lot of plays that aren't on the roster now because of injury or otherwise. Yeah, and the players that are still on the roster but have missed time because of injury offensively, um, and, and that's just one side of the ball. That's what's crazy about this. That sounds like an injury report for an entire team over the course of an entire season. Yeah. It's what Nebraska has been dealing with through six games. Um, you mentioned Xavier Betts and Eric Gilbert, of course, that, that, that those go beyond injuries. And, uh, you know, Teddy Prochaska missed the first two mm -hmm. games of the season while trying to come back from injury. Jeff Sims, he's missed essentially three games. He did come in for one play against Louisiana Tech, if you want to count that. Um, so he's been slowed by injury. Chubba Purdy has not been fully healthy, and that has affected uh, some of his availability. And even uh, his availability to practice. So it's been very unique what Nebraska's been dealing with offensively. Kind of a mash unit, but they're still finding ways. Obviously, the offense is not the uh, bread and butter of the team. We've quickly learned that this is going to be a team that kind of goes as the defense goes. Mm -hmm. And over six games, if you remove maybe the fourth quarter against Colorado, it's a pretty good unit. Yeah. Their numbers are really good. They're limiting uh, big yardage plays. And uh, they, they do need to increase the takeaways. That's one thing that Matt Rule uh, shared really? with the media during his uh, bi-week news conference was one of the emphasis uh, defensively is to try to work on getting the football. Mm -hmm. You know, he, again, kind of called out Anthony Grant a little bit, saying he knows he's a really good player. He has one skill that he needs to work on again, and that's holding the football the way it's supposed to be held. Uh, but again, called him out, but also, you know, saying, like you just said, the defense needs to be forcing more turnovers as well. On the topic of Anthony Grant, Bill, since you brought that up, I was fascinated by the way Matt Rule addressed that during his news conference. He called him out. Yes, that's fair to say, because he said, I'm not happy with him. Mm -hmm. Also said that he's not in the doghouse. So he outlined the issues that are plaguing Anthony Grant, he detailed it by referencing a few of those costly turnovers. But then at the end, he also concluded by saying, Anthony is a really good player, and he has a very bright future ahead of him. But he has to correct this one thing. So it's almost like a very mature and um, reasonable parent dealing mm -hmm. with the child that repeatedly makes a mistake. I still believe in you. You can do this. But right now we have something that we need to Address. talk through. Yeah. and try to find a path forward to get better. And that's what the bye week is uh, really going to be, um, I, what they're going to try to maximize during the bye week with Anthony Grant is holding on to the football. And I guess the way that he naturally has always carried the football, it is susceptible to having it punched out Yeah, and for fumbles. Yeah. So they're trying to correct that. And it's not a mentality thing, Matt Rule says. It's more of a technical thing. And he just has to change the way in which he covers the football and takes on contact. They've mentioned it to him before, and they've worked on it at practice. Obviously, they need more work on it. And that's where, without an opponent to scout for and a game plan to install this week, you can rep that stuff mm. over and over and over again to try to break Anthony Grant of that habit. But I thought habit. But I thought that it was just really interesting to see how Matt Rule, you know, he didn't backdoor his comments, and he he wasn't filtered mm -hmm. when talking about Anthony Grant. He was pretty blunt, mm -hmm. pretty direct, and I got the sense that he wanted Anthony Grant to hear what he was saying. Not only to the local media, but to the masses, because that is going to get out. Mm -hmm. He said he wants. He says stuff 
specifically in these press conferences to make sure it gets back into the locker room. And like you said, he also at the very end says, you know, I think Anthony Grant can play in the NFL, but you're not going to play for Bill Belichick or Mike Tomlin if you fumble the football. Yeah, and this is fascinating. It just how many coaches, how many of Nebraska's last five coaches have managed the media like this? Mm, none. I feel none. like a lot of them were pretty reserved, and you know, the conversations they have in the locker room are stay in the locker room, mm-hmm. and when they come to the media, there is a, a spirit of positivity, but don't um, want to give too much encouragement. Away. Don't give too much away. And in the instance of a few of the coaches, there, there's some snarling in there as well. But Matt Rule uses the media in a way that, like, he can make a point pretty directly and he wants his players to hear it. Other coaches will just tell their players in the locker room or in a team meeting room, but it never gets out publicly. Mm-hmm. So it kind of keeps us reporters on our toes. And there are some times <laughs> where we are listening to interviews and as we're keeping our notes, your ears kind of perk up and like, whoa. That's that's different, mm-hmm. and that was one of the instances uh, today when Matt Rule talked about the fumbling issue with Anthony Grant. You know, is he 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 started that quote with, "I'm not he's not okay with me." Yeah, or I'm not okay with him. Yeah, and then he went into his two minute long answer, which really touched all the different bases. But off the bat, there was a spirit of uh, displeasure, some irritability. But yet there's an action plan on the back side of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a plan to, to fix what needs to be fixed and not just not just calling someone out to call them out. It's right. building them up. And still saying, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. And he, he doesn't mention that NFL stuff about Belichick and Tomlin unless he thinks that Anthony Grant has the skill set to try to one day possibly be in a locker room with those guys as head coaches. 100%. Uh, the other thing uh, that kind of, Caught my eye or, or caught my ear again listening to Rule today. Someone asked him about, you know, looking forward to the second half of the season. And he said, and again, you look at the schedule, he said, I don't think there's a team on our schedule the rest of the year that we can't beat, but that also, you know, can't beat us. So I feel like he thinks there's a lot out there in the second half of the season. Are you excited about the second half of the schedule? I realized, you know, writing down how road heavy this first half of the schedule was. I guess I didn't really realize it until I, you know, I sat down and, and, but they have four more home games out of the six remaining games. Four are at home. And, you know, some of them are against pretty tough teams, Maryland, Iowa, but you have to think, you know, the next two at home, you're probably, you know, favored in those games. When the schedule came out, who are you excited to see? Which games? Oh, gosh. You know, excited to go to Colorado. Yep. Excited for that one. Um, And then... I mean, I don't know if dreading the Michigan game at home, but that one. Yep. And then probably Iowa at home to end the year. You know, were probably the the big ones that I I, I thought. Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. A, a lot too. of folks because it was a Thursday night. Yeah. You know, one of the first nights of college football. So when the schedule was released, and I think the overall approach from a fan uh, at looking at Nebraska's 2023 schedule, it was very front heavy. Mm-hmm. Like you just mentioned, Bill, mm-hmm. there was a focus on Colorado naturally. Michigan, of course. Mm-hmm. And I would throw Minnesota in the mix. A lot of people said that that was the most important game on Nebraska's schedule because it was going to set the tone. Nobody gave too much thought on the back half of the schedule. Yes, I was in there and Wisconsin's in there. But now that Nebraska is done with the first half with the 3-3 three and three record and you look at this backside, there are no ranked opponents in there. Mm-hmm. However, Maryland, Iowa, and Wisconsin are all receiving votes. Mm-hmm. 
They don't have slouch records. Like, there are some intriguing games here on the backside of the schedule. Now, it's not necessarily the next couple of games, Northwestern and Purdue, but you look at what November could potentially hold for Nebraska. They could be fighting for a bull berth, Mm -hmm. and they could be going up to Camp Randall Stadium to try to get it. They could Mm -hmm. be on Black Friday hosting Iowa to get it. On CBS. On CBS. They could be going up to East Lansing and facing a Michigan State team that's you know, still trying to figure out what's going on with Michigan State. They've looked good. They've looked bad. They've looked average. Don't have but a that's coach. one of those games that Matt Rule's probably talking about. There's nobody on our schedule that we cannot beat, but there's also no team that cannot beat us. So that could be a really good game to watch. Mm-hmm. And then Maryland. You know, Maryland hung with Ohio State, and prior to this past Saturday – they're five and zero. The Terps were undefeated. Yeah. So there is some appeal on the back half of the schedule. Yet I don't feel like anybody was really prepared to admit that the second <laughs> half of the season could be some really fun football to watch because yeah. everybody was so consumed with the Colorados, the Minnesotas, and the Michigans on Nebraska's schedule. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack from that first half between again, like you said, Thursday night to open, and then you had the whole Dion Sanders Colorado. Issue And then at that point, you were dealing with Jeff Sims being injured, and all of a sudden now it's Heinrich Harburg. So I guess what I would hope for in the second half of the season is not as much, I don't want to say drama, but, you know, just go out. You want more football. I want more football. I get it. Yeah. So I know what you mean, that sometimes all the side stories can overtake the football. Yes. You know, on a Monday when Matt Rule's up in front of the media, instead of trying to dissect how is Nebraska going to attack this defense, which is giving up just nine points per game, or this defense that brings all these various blitz packages and is really effective on third down. Like, that's the football. Yes. And sometimes that'll get you, as a football purist, yes. it'll get you going. And you, and you look forward to, you know, how are they going to block the All-American edge rusher? Yes. The side story takes over, and that is, what's the availability of your quarterback? Or how are you going to replace somebody else who is maybe in the doghouse? You know, like, there, there's sometimes all this drama which overshadows the actual game. Um, but I think now that you're six games into the Matt Rule era and six games into this season, you get a better sense of what this Nebraska football team is. It's a team that offensively is young, makes mistakes, and is the opposite of opportunistic. <laughs> yeah. But on the other side, you have a defense with a defensive leader in Tony White who is brilliant Mm -hmm. and has head coach written all over him. Just don't know when that's going to happen. Hopefully not next year. And you have a bunch of guys playing for Tony White that are just fearless. They play with reckless abandon. They bought into a system. And they're going to win you some ballgames. 100%. I think that's what we've learned in six weeks. And I think that as the season progresses, I don't see that changing if we're to revisit this conversation in early to mid-November. The one thing that I thought of as as you were talking there, you mentioned quarterbacks. One thing that also caught my ear in that press conference today, Rule said Jeff Sims, fully healthy. Yeah. But he also said if they had a game today, Heinrich Harburg would be the starter. So I think, I mean, that's probably the case moving forward, don't you think, through the rest of the season, unless Heinrich... You know, turns the ball over four times in a game. You got to earn it every week, though. Yeah. He's not going to put Heinrich Harburg under center to start a game if he's not fully healthy or fully ready, excuse me, or if he's not in lockstep with the game plan for that opponent. 
and he's not performing better than the other guys. Mm -hmm. I really think that Matt Rule and this offensive coaching staff is willing to make that tough call midstream of a season. Yeah. If Jeff Sims starts taking the practice field and outperforming Heinrich and Chuba, they're going to start Jeff Sims. Yeah. But right now, I don't see Heinrich not doing all the little things to maintain his job as the starting quarterback, which is showing up on time for film session, mm -hmm. being present and active in the meeting room, mm -hmm. going to class, maintaining good grades. Like, just knowing Heinrich, like, yeah. he's a really great guy with a – his head, his head is screwed on his shoulders the right way. Like, yeah. dot your I's and cross your T's. That's what kind of person that Heinrich Harburg is. Yeah. And so, if you know you're getting that from number 10, now it's really just down to preparation and play. And could he get past? Yeah. But right now, I don't see that happening. Not to mention, this team seems to have full faith in Heinrich Harburg running the offense. They do. They seem to really rally behind him. Nebraska kid works hard. That goes for the wide receivers, yeah, the offensive line, the running backs, the tight ends. He seems to have great rapport with everybody. The coaches tend to really trust him. And if your offense is going to only generate, I don't know what the average is right now. What are they averaging? Uh, 16 points a game? Uh, 18 I, points? I'm not 100% sure on the number. So I can give if, you the yards. If, if, if you're... If you're in the teens scoring, I might be higher than that because they did have a couple of non-con games with high, higher point totals. If you're in that range, you cannot turn the ball over. Mm -mm. You are, if you have a limited number of plays, you're already going to get. You can't give your opponent extra possessions. And if you're putting the quarterback side by side by side, Heinrich and Jeff and Chuba, who's going to give you the best opportunity to hang on to the football and I think it's going to be Heinrich Harburg. Yeah. If you look at the first six games of the season, Rule touched on this today, they have a minus six turnover margin. They have recovered, or they have lost seven fumbles and thrown six interceptions. And that turnover margin ranks 126th out of 130 FBS teams. I think it's remarkable that their turnover margin is what? Minus six. And they have a 500 record. It, it could be a lot worse. I'm curious to go back and look now. If Nebraska ranks 126th in turnover margin, teams that are at 127, 128, 129, and 130, what, what's their record? I, I would venture to guess that there are winless teams in there and maybe a one-win one team in there. Michigan State is 127. Temple, UTEP, 128. Arizona State is 130. Those are all teams with sub-500 records, I believe. I, I don't know about Michigan State, though. That dead air is because we're both we're <laughs> frantically trying to scrub through everything. Michigan State is under 500. They are 2-3 and three overall. So Nebraska, remarkably, has more giveaways than takeaways. And the giveaways have come in the form of fumbled snaps, Mm -hmm. Fumbled footballs, interceptions, and then in the case of the Illinois game, three giveaways in the fourth quarter oh. alone. Yeah. And not to unpack our late night Friday podcast, but Nebraska's pretty lucky they were playing Illinois mm -hmm. on that day. Because if you face a 
Maryland, Michigan State, Purdue. Those are going to cost you. Teams are going to take advantage of your mistakes. And, you know, if Illinois would have scored on one of those, it's a one-score game and probably some doubt creeps back in about, well, what's going to happen here? So this bye week is also an opportunity for Nebraska not only to clean up some of the issues that are plaguing them, most notably turnovers, but also to continue the belief that, you know, they're a good team, the find a way to win, build that winning culture that Matt Rule has been um, harping on all the way back to fall camp. Because Rule even said on Tuesday, Bill, He's starting to sense a little swagger out of his team. Not a cockiness. An earned swagger. An earned swagger. And I think that that really pleases the head coach. Mm. Uh, Also, again, looking at the first six games of the year, seventh in rushing defense. 96th in passing defense. Rushing offense, you're at 21st. Averaging 240 yards a game on the ground. 125th in passing offense. And rushing attempts, I believe Nebraska's top three in the country. Rushing like they are running, They are running the ball. Often. At a higher frequency than most teams in college football. And part of that might be by design, uh, trying to you know, make a clock run a little bit quicker mm-hmm. against some of the opponents they're facing. Some of that might be because you have a running quarterback, whether it is Heinrich or Jeff, Mm -hmm. that they're going to let the quarterback hang on to the football and turn up field. And, um, you know, drop back passes, they have been an issue for Nebraska. I don't know that the receivers are getting as open as they would like them to be. Plus, you're playing a lot of younger wideouts. So there's a learning curve in there. Mm -hmm. So run the ball guy has to be pretty happy happy. Because this is a team – that is going to um, commit to the run game. They're going to let their quarterbacks carry the football. And uh, Matt Rule said from the day he was hired, uh, one of the things he believes in, in order to be successful in college football, run the ball, stop the run. And right now Nebraska is running the football, some games more effectively than others. Mm -hmm. And in terms of stopping the run, they've done a pretty good job of it. 76 yards per game for the rushing defense. And, you know, we've heard coaches in the past say, yeah, we're going to run the ball, but – the run the damn ball guy has <laughs> had a lot to, to yell about over the past few years. And so Rule's putting I think he's still yelling with, this year. He's always Even yelling. So you're right. But maybe just a little bit quieter than he would be in years past. He's yelling about fourth and one from the shotgun is what they're yelling about now. So so what's Illinois' run the ball guy saying? Fourth and an inch from the inch yard line and they even out of the, shotgun. They even did the tush push, though. So, Yikes. And they still didn't get it. That's a bad deal. It, well, yeah, that was... Good for us, not good for them. Nebraska's upcoming game against Northwestern, which is going to be a week from Saturday. Northwestern, like Nebraska, is on a bye right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would assume that the Wildcats are doing kind of a same approach as Nebraska. A little bit of self, self-scout. self Yep. Address some things that need to get addressed and then get into some opponent prep late in the week and get a head start uh, as they transition back into the game week routine next Monday. Um a lot of people thought Northwestern, without Pat Fitzgerald as the head coach, uh, thought this team was going to be pretty bad. Mm-hmm. They have a couple of wins on the season. Um, they aren't a complete pushover. And I think that the bye week is probably going to be pretty valuable for that team as they've learned a lot about themselves over the first six weeks of the season. They're three. I mean, they're three and three. And, I mean, you go back, you know, yeah, they, they, they lost to Rutgers. Uh, they beat UTEP. They lost to a ranked Duke team, which, you know, Duke has been knocking off some teams this year. They beat Minnesota. 
uh, you know, I don't remember if that was overtime or not, but that was an yeah, impressive Yeah, that, that was the wake-up game. That's when a lot of people's eyes opened about Northwestern football this year because they started losing to Rutgers, a game that was pretty ugly. Mm. Uh, then they beat UTEP. They lost to Duke. Uh, so they were 1-2. and two. And then that victory over Minnesota, 37-34, yep. uh, that was one that said, okay, uh, this isn't a team that's just going to pack it in. And looking at their schedule ahead, Bill, they have pretty much the same opponents Nebraska has remaining on the schedule. Maryland, Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, and Illinois. Northwestern's probably saying the exact same thing. Well, if we get three more, we're going to a bowl game. Yeah. And what a victory that would be for that program. Yeah. Giving everything that they endured over the offseason. And with a an interim head coach who is simply just taking a job to be a coordinator for the first time uh, in a Power 5 conference. And now he's leading this team with a three and three record, and I'm sure as they're in their offices and looking at what the rest of the season could look for them, if Northwestern wins in Lincoln, they're going to be pretty excited about what the backside of their schedule and the opportunities that could potentially come about there. Yeah, and I mean the, one of their other losses again to number six Penn State, which I mean again can't. And then they, I mean they struggled against Howard this last weekend, but but still. You know, they're three and three overall, one and two in the conference, the exact same spot Nebraska's in. Again, Minnesota's also three and three, one and two in the conference, right there, packed up in the middle. And, you know, again, we win a couple of these, you know, you're in the top half of the Big Ten West by the time it's all said and done. And I don't think anyone would sneeze at that uh, after, uh, again, the first two games of the year. So, uh, again, we talked about this a little bit on, on Friday night, but three and three through the first six games. Probably about where you expected this team to be. Some fans wanted four and two. Yeah, three and three. It's been a very unconventional way to get to <laughs> three and three. And we're not just mentioning that in the vein of some of the injuries and yeah. personnel decisions, but just the roller coaster of the games and you know the way the Minnesota game was ripped apart, ripped away from uh, Nebraska at the very end, uh, laying an egg against Michigan. That's where that Illinois game. Say what you want about it. It's a victory, and it's a victory Nebraska really needed. Yeah. Otherwise, they would be 2-4 and four on the bye week, and you would get some discontent across the fan base and probably uh, a lot of fading excitement about the remainder of the season. Yeah. But because they won the game and they have a bye week, 3-3 three and three allows the conversation to really um, turn up a little bit about the bull possibilities with this team. And I've seen some of the updated bull projections for college football. One has Nebraska going to Detroit. Another one has Nebraska going down to uh, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl in Arizona. And I believe there's another one in there as well. So it's not just folks here inside the state that think, oh, maybe a bowl game is going to happen. Now we're getting some national uh, pundits and media to start looking at Nebraska seriously as a team that could be playing in the postseason. And I wanted to add to that Sunday practice. You lose against Illinois, and well, maybe that Sunday practice wasn't a good idea now. He even said it in, in his press conference today. He hopes that that Sunday practice is one of the more memorable things that the players take away from this season. And so. we're not surprised by that because we said after that happened, just the way that that practice maintained as a prominent story, not just on Monday, Three but on week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The more we got around the players and the coaches and just around the 
everybody in the program, everybody continued to reference back to that Sunday practice. Even after the game on Friday when Nebraska beat Illinois, it was still coming up. That Sunday practice, it was a big deal. And it was a decision that Matt Rule made, and it was unconventional. It was surprising, but it had a lasting impact mm -hmm. so far within with everybody within the program. Yeah, they could really be a, a turning point of the season. So don't be surprised if Nebraska goes to a bowl game that in early December when all the bulls are announced and Nebraska has its destination and its opponent, when that conversation comes up, they're going to go back and they're going to look at what happened in, was it October 1st, mm -hmm. the day after the Michigan game, as that was the moment that the season, year one under Matt Rule, really went from one direction to a different direction in a very positive way. So, again, uh, kickoff time was announced uh, this week. We thought 11 a.m. for Northwestern, but it's actually going to be a 2.30 kick. It's going to be a full day for Husker fans that Saturday because at 7 p.m. that evening, it will be Nebraska versus Wisconsin volleyball. So 2.30 kick for Northwestern next Saturday and then uh, volleyball following. A lot of people are pretty upset about that. At least some of the folks that you know I've interacted with, they yeah. were pretty bothered by the fact that Nebraska versus Northwestern is at 2.30, and then the volleyball match is going to follow. I understand that. For folks that want to go to both games, it's going to be a little bit challenging, yeah. and there's no guarantee the football game is going to be done. Yeah. You know, I mean, it might go until 6.30, and you got 30 minutes to get over to the Devaney Center. We know after the Illinois game. And traffic. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be logistically challenging. But after, now that the decision has been made and announced, it makes total sense from the television network's perspective. Big Ten Network knows Nebraska fans are going to be tuned in from 2.30 until 6. So run, keep them. You run the final drive, do a little 30-minute highlights of the day. Right and you roll it right into the next. As opposed to Nebraska plays at 11 a.m. If the game was going to be on BTN no matter what, mm -hmm. if you have the football game at 11 a.m., then everybody's going to go click off the TV at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to go do something, and then maybe they come back to watch the volleyball match. Odds are they will. But You're going to lose some of them. There are other options to do with your day. Yeah. And so in order to eliminate the potential drop-off in the viewership, it makes a lot of sense from the network's perspective to just put them back-to-back. -back. And you can imagine if it's going to be a nice night, some of the uh, garage watch parties and um, some of the other events that are going to be happening to have people just make a day of watching Nebraska athletics, first football and then volleyball. Um, that's a big-time volleyball match. Uh, well, we will get into that next week. Uh, but, yeah, so they were two. They were two volleyball, again, transitioning to volleyball. They were 2-0 this last week. They, you know, went on a Michigan tour, beat Michigan State. Again, kind of struggled early, but found their rhythm. Uh, they beat Michigan State, and then they sweep Michigan. Uh, again, the uh, Harper homecoming. Uh, Kendall uh, Harper. Um, Kendall Murray. Murray, thank you. I was like, that's, that's not right. Kendall Murray and then uh, Harper Murray. Again, Kendall playing for Michigan, Harper for Nebraska. What was your takeaways from the volleyball matches last week? Well, they didn't play very well in the first set against Michigan State. Mm -hmm. um, so throw that away. You're allowed to have a bad set, even though they still won it. I guess that's the takeaway is that they didn't play very well, um, but they still found a way to uh, win that opening set against Michigan State. Uh, these girls got to be a little bit 
tired of being on the road. That's yeah. four straight matches on back-to-back weekends. I'm sure they're going to be excited to be back home. Uh, they play on Friday mm-hmm. at the Devaney Center. They play on Saturday, 7 o'clock against Penn State. That'll be a big match uh, back at the Bob for the Huskers. My other takeaway from the weekend, Bill, is that uh, Lindsey Krause is back. That's maybe the best she's played in a Nebraska uniform. Big Ten Player of the Week. I mean, she was outstanding. And, you know, even after she had recovered from her injury, which was a result of the car accident on O Street, um, she had been cleared. But Allie Batenhorst had given Nebraska a nice spark Mm -hmm. and had kind of taken over that role in the lineup. But they made the switch this week. Lindsey was back in there. And I think that she's a little fired up. Yeah. And she wants to to have that job permanently. And she played like it. And, you know, if you can add her in the mix, it's just another weapon for the second-ranked Huskers. And this team has some great balance. And they have some really good weapons. So if they need a point, which they will likely need to get a point, whether it's Penn State on Saturday night or the following week against Wisconsin, you know, who's going to come through when it's 28-28 if you go that far? You need somebody to step up and make a play. And that's what, you know, some of the the Nebraska teams uh, of the past have had. They've had a Michaela Fecky. They've Mm -hmm. had a Sarah Pavin. uh, They've had a Jordan Larson. Who is this team's player that can score in the clutch? And they have options. Lindsey Krause could be one. Merrick Beeson, Harper Murray. And then don't leave out the freshman, Andy Jackson. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're in system and you can pass, uh, pass well and get the ball to the middle. Andy Jackson is hitting over 400 on this season. Just a dearth of options yes. for John Cook. You know, his job is hard, but, like, this, it must be much easier when you have players like you just rattled off. Easier, yeah, but you got to manage everybody. you got to yeah. keep everybody happy. You know, they have – I mean, everybody on the roster is essentially an elite recruit. Yeah. So um, it's a blessing of riches, but it's it also is. a challenge to um, – you know, and John Cook has done a marvelous job of unifying this team. And obviously the trip to Brazil certainly helps with mm-hmm. getting everybody to get to know each other and uh, have some shared goals and take some of the selfishness out of what could potentially exist within that locker room. But everything that we've learned and being around the team and talking to Coach Cook, this seems like a very unique group of selfless girls uh, they're tight, and they want what's best for each other. And we've already seen some self-sacrifice uh, that's happened throughout the course of the season. And so uh, and I thought it was really neat to finally see Jordan Larson on the sideline in, in the coach's chair. That was actually one of the first things I looked for when I turned on the game. I'm like, all right, wait, is Jordan there? Yes, there she is. So Now she gets to do it at home this week. Yes, she does. So, again, uh, again, that's uh, Michigan, Michigan State again. Uh, on Friday, 6 p.m., and that will be on Nebraska Public Media. And then number 13, Penn State, on Saturday, again, 7 p.m., and that is on Big Ten Network. And then, like we mentioned, they have that date with Wisconsin looming the following Saturday. Kevin, I need is there a game? Is there a game in between? It goes There's... Michigan, Penn State, then Wisconsin? Or do they have a Friday they night have a, of the Wisconsin I believe game? they have a Friday night. I apologize that I don't have Nebraska's schedule completely memorized. Northwestern. They have Northwestern on Wednesday at Northwestern. Oh, next Wednesday. On the road. On the road. On Big Ten Plus. 7 p.m. I wonder what John thinks of that. That's Yeah, they've been on that Friday-Saturday kind of schedule for a while now. They're going to throw a Wednesday. Maybe he's going to like it. Maybe you can get that so you're not playing Wisconsin on the second of back-to-back nights. I'll be sure to ask him next time I see him. There you go.
Uh, Kevin, I needled you last week about the Bears. But this last weekend, thankfully, the person I'm playing in fantasy football had DJ Moore on the bench. It was a good good week for your Bears. It was. Not a good week for your fantasy team. No, I lost. I, I had seven of the, my nine players outscore. And he had uh, Jamar Chase. And I think it was David Montgomery. So, I it's lost. Too bad. It was a bad week. All right, Kevin. Anything else before we let everyone go this week? We, we, we touched all the bases we on did. a bye week. And there's, a, there's a lot of meat there. A lot of meat on the bone <laughs> there's, there's for a bye week. <laughs> we chewed it all up. So, all right. Uh, again, as always, keep it tuned to 1011, both on air and online, for all of your latest news, weather and sports, and obviously all of the uh, Husker coverage and the end report on at 6 and 10 on 1011. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in, for watching. Until next time, we'll see you later. You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. And download the 1011 Now app.